I don't hear anything. You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Sun Little. It's a refreshing thing to come across a musician like Sun Little. He's a man who's purely about his craft and nothing else. He's been a fixture of the New York City music scene for a few years now, even though he's primarily based in Philadelphia. Within New York, he's played a countless array of shows with crowds who come time and time again to see his talent expressed on stage. Now armed with a second album titled New Magic, Sun Little is ready to tour the world yet again. Luckily, in the midst of all this, he found time to chat with me about his new album and the stories of how it came to be. This is the 405 Exchange with Sun Little. Enjoy. So it wasn't Australia that the album started? It didn't start there, it kind of ended there, but I think the, you know, as I think sometimes happens, you know, it ending there, it's, it's like you, the, the end kind of is the beginning, you know, like you, when you bring it out into the world, it's like you are kind of starting, the listener is kind of starting at the end, you know, um, the, the project, the sound of it, the kind of aesthetic really solidified there, you know, um, I wrote, I wrote five songs there, um, only three of which I use, but the, but the sort of spirit of those, I think, is really the heart, the heart of these songs this group of songs. Um, and a lot of the production decisions were made after that. So um, I think, actually I went to Australia thinking I was finished already writing. Um, and then, you know, this, I just kind of hit, hit a roll, I guess. And, and, and that, um, it really came together. Do you feel that came out particularly because of Australia itself and the place, or do you feel it's like where you were in life in general? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I felt like I was, I thought that I was done. I had enough songs yeah. um, already. Um, and maybe in some ways just, just knowing that I had enough, you know, kind of freed me up to find something different you know? to dig a bit deeper yeah and um but at the same time Australia's you know for coming from this side of the world is kind of it, it just feels it's strange you know um yeah. I was actually talking to people down there a lot saying that I felt like the you know even something simple like looking at the sky yeah um, at, at night, seeing the stars differently. Yeah, you know? like the amount over there—it's <laughs> unbelievable. So that's that in and of itself is amazing. But but you you know you're just on the like 
the opposite hemisphere. It's like, you know, when you really, I hadn't really thought about that until I got there. And then when I, when I got there, I felt like it sort of orients you yeah. different, um, differently. And that, the, that kind of just total atmospheric change uh, kind of has, has an effect, I think. Yeah, I haven't been as an adult, but we went when I was kids. And I remember even as a kid, like I must have been like six or seven. But I remember even with being that young, I was aware with like how, because I mean, it's a, it's technically Eastern, but it feels like part of Western society. Right, right. And what blew me away was just how everything felt so familiar yet different at the same yeah, time. Yeah, right. That's, I mean, you, you're an observant kid, because that's, <laughs> that's exactly, uh, I think, what struck me right away was it was very familiar. I, you know, I was born in California. I just, you know, I spent a lot of time there, and and just visually, you know, driving down the highway, it's like if you squint, you could just be in San Diego, or you know, I mean, it, it looks very similar in that way, but culturally, obviously, it's it's also. You know, there's some real similarities, like, um, you know, just general culture, even though there's these different elements to it, but, um, you know, it's very similar, and yet, at the same time, yes, you're in, you're in Asia, there's this massive influence of, I mean, I was eating Asian food every day, you know, um, and... And it's just accessible there. Like it's like it's just it feels yeah, different. Right. They, yeah. It's just very it's very different. And and just I guess you get used to like you're in the U.S. You know your your neighbors are you know, Canada, you have Mexico. You're you're the sense that you're near the Caribbean. You know, yeah. um, and all that is flipped there. Where it's like you're you know you've got New Zealand and Singapore and you know that's literally it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is also you know otherwise kind of isolated, which, um, you know, I think is always something that figures in, yeah. you know, I think for for artists, you know, um, that sense of a, a really stark isolation, uh, it really <laughs> it changes the way you think, you know. Yeah, because I imagine for a lot of musicians, and we hear about it all the time, it's like, I feel like a lot of you find yourself thinking that to write the best songs and to write the best body of work you need that sense of isolation mm -hmm. but i feel like unless you go to a place like australia or somewhere similar to it where you're faced with it in such a visceral way yeah it must be almost a time where you ask yourself if you really wanted that as right well i mean I, I you know you have these thoughts like i mean it'd probably be a little different if you're if your family and friends are there it's maybe a little different yeah but i couldn't help thinking you know it's like i'm so many miles of water away from people you care about. Yeah, you know, um, and it's a little frightening, you know, um, but you know, that can turn, you can use that energy yeah. other ways, you know. Yeah, I'm curious, when you said earlier about how there was like five songs you wrote, and that came kind of like bit of the core of the record, was Blue Magic one of those songs? No, actually, uh, the, th the the songs are are on the record that I wrote that day, uh, Kimberly, uh, Charging Bull, and Mad About You. Um, you know, I started the project with the thought that 
Yeah, I wanted to use acoustic guitar a lot more. Um, I, I use it, I would say, 80% of, of the stuff that I make. Yeah. Uh, the previous record, there was a lot, there's a lot in there and you can not really sort of tucked under things. Yeah. And I wanted to use it maybe a little, it's more than just a texture. Um, you know, it was just kind of, I wanted to really boil things down to, I guess, being on, being on the road, like you said, miss, sort of missing the isolation that I had in sort of writing and recording the first record. Um, as much as I love my bandmates and the crew and all, you know, it's, it's just hard to um, bring a project like that to, to completion or even bring a song or certain thoughts to completion because there's always something uh, yeah. going on around you. But So I think I started out feeling or sort of longing for the, I think, my early days of when I first picked up a guitar, and you know, I had my mom bought me this cheap acoustic guitar, and and I, it was primary for me. I did just I barely know how to play it, but I but I wrote a song. You know, I started writing songs really before I really knew how to play at all, um, and I think I just kind of had a hunger for that feeling, and I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, approach this stuff you know, approach the writing with that really simple, uh, you know, angle. And, you know, I think I did that with the other songs, but I think that I the idea really materialized in part because I was sitting in this hotel room with this guitar I borrowed from this great Australian singer, Aboriginal singer, Dr. G, who just passed away. Um, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's actually interesting because I, I have like questions from me naturally and I was actually going to ask you that a little bit later on, but I mean, if you'd like to jump into that now. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you feel comfortable talking Sure. I, I um, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny how things happen. One of the main reasons I got there in the first place was that this, uh, folks, these artists and producers at, uh, this label Skinny Fish there, um, you know, had heard of me somehow and they, you know, they really wanted me to come and they wanted me to come to Darwin in the Northern Territory, which is, you know, according to them, like most like artists just don't, from overseas just don't come there. You know, you go to Sydney, you go to Melbourne, you go to Adelaide, you go to these, the bigger, uh, more Western like cities, whereas yeah. Northern Territory really has this pronounced, um, you know, a large population of Aboriginals, there are, um, you know, it's, that's where you're closest to Asia from, and um, all that is really apparent, I mean, it's, it's hotter, it's more humid, the animals are bigger and scarier, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of the, I think, when people have romanticized what Australia is and, you know, the outback and all that, like this, this, it, that's where you get all of that stuff. And, um, you know, it'd be very easy for, you know, I've talked to lots of people since then 
you know, they went everywhere in Australia, but they didn't go there, you know. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really till I flew up there, I realized, you know, this, okay, this is a totally different experience. Um, but one of them, Dr. G was an artist on uh, this label, Skinny Fish. I went there, I mean, looking back on it, it's kind of hilarious to me. Here, I'm making this record that is centered around my voice and acoustic guitar, but I brought all these pedals and effects and my, my laptop, and I was triggering samples and things. <laughs> you know, I was just trying to be cool like that. <laughs> I was just trying to be cool like that. But I'm sitting there, and I'm, I played a couple of shows that way. They were fine, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Um, but I just felt that all my favorite moments in the first few shows were when I was playing only acoustic guitar. And finally, I just got so sort of fed up with my own tinkering yeah. that I just, you know, I was sitting playing in, in, in Melbourne, I got halfway through the show and I, I just asked, the audience, you know, is it okay if I just finish with the acoustic, you know, and I, you know, I played the rest of that, that show acoustic and I played everything else acoustic after that. But the one thing I did not bring with me was an acoustic guitar. So everywhere I went, I had to borrow oh, wow. a guitar. And when I got to Darwin, um, we hadn't arranged anything. And I let them know that I really needed one. They, uh, they asked, Dr. G, if I could borrow his guitar for the night. He was in the hospital, and from the hospital, he let them, you know, he can tell me, go ahead. And I, um, you know, I convinced him to let me take it to the hotel first. Yeah. And just in that afternoon, I had the time and um, sat down, and I think just, just being isolated with limited resources, you know, um, is really what kind of, all those things conspire together, but, um, and, and finally this, this guitar is, a, you know, people say, you'll hear sometimes guitar players say, or songwriters really, that a guitar has songs in it, um, and I have, a guitar too that I feel that way about. Um, but just a few minutes of playing with this guitar, I could feel it. You know, yeah. there was a there was an energy in it. Um, Did that leave you surprised? Because I imagine when you were describing before about going to different shows and then borrowing acoustic guitar mm. here and there, and then at that one show where you asked if I could just play acoustic mm. at the end of this. I almost imagine when you were walking off stage, you were finding yourself probably, like, you're talking about it now with like a matter of clarity, but mm. living it, I imagine you probably kept thinking to yourself like, what is this acoustic guitar thing that I have going on? <laughs> and then Dr. G gives you this acoustic right. guitar. It must have, I just imagine when you were sitting there playing it, it must have felt like the world made sense again. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I could feel, I knew that something was going to come out of it, um, and that kind of anchored me in that chair, and, and again, like the whole thought process kind of changed, you know, a feeling like, um, I can, 
you know, I thought, let me just make a little rhythm, you know, and I would just drum it out on the table. Um, I'll just sing a little bit and see what happens. And, you know, I had a one phrase and then I had another one and, and it, 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 it felt like I can write this whole song right now. And I did. And then I thought, I can write another one too. Right now. <laughs> and I did. Awesome. I thought I can write another one right now. And I'm really curious. Because, like, did, did he hear the record when it was all said and done? You know, that I, I, I don't think he did. Um, you know, by the time it was, that was in uh, December, I guess. And it wasn't, you know, I wasn't finished till, you know, I think we mixed it in February, so um, he, he wouldn't have heard it then. Um, it's amazing because, I mean, one thing, and you find this a lot, you know, for he's a very respected artist himself, um, but not so disengaged that, you know, couldn't, you know, lend someone he doesn't even know, you know? Yeah. It's not like you have all this history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, um, and sort of he became, for me, like a really important part of, of the story in my life. We, we never met. We, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we sort of met through his guitar, which, yeah. you know, is, is really amazing. I'm always kind of have this special piece in my heart for him, you know. Yeah, he's quite literally from the framework of your, your album. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. You know, I brought up the song uh, Blue Magic earlier, mm -hmm. and the reason why is because I feel that's a song a lot of people have been gravitating towards mm -hmm. when they hear your music, especially if how you play it live. Like, I saw a couple sessions, okay. and I really love how that came across, mm -hmm. and I would love to hear the story behind that track. Um, actually... It's funny that it's almost bringing this full circle because um, I was, um, that was actually one of the first songs that I, that I wrote um, for this record, but it took me a long time to put the pieces together after the fact. It like took the long, ended up taking the longest, just, I don't even know why, but I made all these little adjustments. You know, I did a couple different versions of it. There's a much slower version than I started with. And I was, um, actually I had, I had started this slower, much slower version of it. Can't um, even imagine that, I, how the song is And on. it's weird, it's weird for me to think about now because I, I can't really hear it anymore. <laughs> but. I got pretty far actually with this other version and then um, I was playing um, Alan's release Alan asked me to play this oh, yeah. release was that at show. Berlin I think yeah Berlin yeah, I remember that um, and the first I sort of was sitting there and I, as I left my house you know for whatever reason I got in my head that I was going to play that I'm like I'm, I'm going to play this tonight you know <laughs> and um and I did uh as it was missing some things I probably sang the first verse three times or something <laughs> but when I uh, I recorded it and when I 
when I got up the next day, I listened to the recording and I realized like, this is like twice as fast as I was doing it at home. So when I went to do the show, for whatever reason, there was like, maybe I was just excited or nervous about it because I'd never, you know, I'd never even, I had never played it before. Yeah, so in a lot of ways, you don't even know what the song sounds right, like. Right, so I just, you know, that was the, and that, I started the show with it. Um, and when I listened back to it, I was like, wow, that's really fast. And I, I couldn't listen to the original one anymore. See, I was listening to the original one, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> that's amazing. So I, I completely started over um, because I had that experience. Like you asked earlier about how the songs went change when you play them live and I mean that's a good example where I was still I had just started writing the song you know I would sort of put I think I had put some drums in or something and a little guitar and then when I after playing it one time I was like no this isn't right <laughs> does it surprise you whenever that happens because it sounds all great with how it was framed just now but I imagine with knowing how musicians tend to be like for example you had like the slower version before mm. I can imagine there could almost be a sense of trepidation where you're, like in your head you're like well, hold on a second I spent so much time on the slow version maybe I have oh yeah to, for sure like you almost get stuck on things yeah. do you ever find yourself absolutely doing that? absolutely I mean that is I think kind of central to to making art is that kind of you know internal wrestling with stuff like that and, and you can become i guess because you're putting your emotions into it there is kind of a you you can become attached to you know a song a version of a song a particular part in the song you know i mean tiny things like you know, one ad lib. You know, you, you you can be consumed with preserving or masking or you know redoing one one little like moment that maybe no one, you know, hardly anyone else would even notice. You know, yeah. um, so certainly with something like that, I mean, I I was kind of invested in that first version, but you know, couldn't deny that the the what was then a completely unrealized version of it was better you know it, it felt better to me um and i knew that i knew that i had to i kind of had to do it you know you know um and i think uh that's that's kind of can be a really hard thing to get used to and learn is is letting go of stuff that you are kind of invested in like emotionally. Like a form of surrender. Yeah, I mean, just kind of, I mean, the thing is that you're, you're sort of, you know, I guess it's like your gut, you, you want to go with what your gut is telling you, but, you know, there's other parts where you, you just, uh, you know, your heart just gets in it because you played you played it a certain way or sang it a certain way, but you know, I think what I keep learning over and over again, of course, is as with that, is that you know, I may have spent ten hours on that version I never used, but um, you know, it's all it's just part of the process. You know, like that that version is part of the process of the version that that you hear. You know, even if you'd never hear that version, it's still part of it. I know I wouldn't have 
gotten it to where it got to if I hadn't done that first, you know? Yeah. So sometimes what can feel like a waste of time or backtracking is just a necessary part of the process, you know? Yeah. Just might not be a part that anybody ever is exposed to. <laughs> yeah. You know, Tell me this, like, how has it been seeing crowds react to new magic, especially with, like, everything I wanted to make in it? Because I think what's interesting about this record particularly, and it really excited me getting to hear it and hear it in the context of knowing your music is, like, is I feel like there's always this thing with singer-songwriters mm. where the last thing they want to be referred to is a singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah. You hear a lot of people saying that. Well, yeah. yeah. But, but I feel, <laughs> what, what I was going to say is, I feel like it'd be difficult for someone to do your music, because I feel like there's so much obvious influences from different places, but it never feels like, it doesn't feel like you're grabbing at a tree. It feels like everything mm. makes sense within the confines of your music. Mm. Well, I think, you know, I have thought about this a bunch, and... And I mean, I think the sort of the snag is that people sort of think of singer songwriter as a genre when you know it's too it's broad. Not. I mean, it's just I mean the way I look at it, I guess it's like it's someone who sings, who, who writes the songs and sings them. I mean, it's you know you, you're really just distinguishing from someone who. You know, writes a song and doesn't sing it. You know, yeah. sings but doesn't write the song. You know, um, or at least where that where where both of those things are not consistent. You know, I'm not generally speaking, I'm not singing other people's songs. You know, yeah. and um, and so and so that description makes sense. It's just that when you say singer songwriter, it's just automatically is there's a white person playing acoustic guitar. I was gonna say, you know, like, I was gonna say, like, in the way you said it, it makes sense, but you know most people think of, like, a white person in a candlelit room with right. low light right. playing acoustic guitar, right. crying their eyes out. I mean, it was like, you know, Billy Joel is a singer-songwriter, but no one called him that, you know? Yeah. Like, David Bowie was a singer-songwriter, you know? Exactly. Nobody called him that, you know? But, um, no, that's just a term that people use. I, I don't mind it so much just because it's technically accurate so yeah. you know um, but in regards to what I was saying before I feel like new magic maybe it didn't feel intentional in form of a statement but it hmm. does feel like the music's bolder hmm. would you agree in that sense um, at least bolder within the confines of it felt like an album where you felt very at peace with what you knew hmm. how to do yeah. in terms of your abilities yeah I mean I think and I've, I've said this to a few people that it's it's very much it's quite a bit less careful. Um, I I think I was. I mean, I was learning quite a bit about sound and and production as I made the first record, and I was applying a lot of new information. Um, and I think I'm to some degree. I'm always going to be meticulous and particular about way things sound. Yeah. Um, but I think I was cautious and careful with the first one in a way that I, I was not with New Magic. It was a, a much more, you know, like a much more of a gut feeling, you know, um, yeah. and that, that across the board everything is kind of it's, it's from the gut, you know. 
Do you feel like you heard that when it was like all mixed as well? Like that, the, the feeling of like, uh, that liberating feeling of not carefree, but being more okay with where you were at. Do you feel that came across when you heard the album back for the first time? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I often don't, I mean, you listen to so much <laughs> that, you know, it's sort of just like it was with the first one. I didn't want to be really high mixed and captured the mastering and all that. I was. <laughs> I just don't it's like I never heard it again uh, you know? it's like I'm fully done with this right now yeah I mean it, there's there's not a lot I mean I think you could probably give it time and then you know it would have, there'll be another moment where you know I'll go back and, and listen but you know there's not a whole lot in it for me to listen to at this point you know especially uh, as the person who made it yeah it's just there it is um, I guess one phase though, of course, is, you know, when you're getting ready to play the songs, you know, I'm able to, you know, to I'll listen to it with the band and we, I'm able to sort of connect to it differently because of, because they're being introduced to it. Um, so that, that's always interesting to kind of gain some perspective on it from what your what your bandmates and musicians are hearing, um, you know. But now you know you're on front of the crowd. To me, it's about the it's about that immediate feeling and and of experiencing it with the audience, you know, which is a whole another thing, you know. That um, you know, I I love the studio, but there's nothing. It's funny, it's like these, the two things couldn't be more different, you know, yeah. uh, between recording music and then playing it for people. It's, it's like, so completely different. Yeah, they couldn't be more different, you know. Um, same material, same words, same chords and tones. Completely different feeling and experience, you know, that, that there's nothing in the studio that remotely approaches, you know, playing something, the feeling of playing something yeah. live for people, you know. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, tell me this. Um, I mean, this is almost a typical question, but I want to divert in a different way okay. because I think what tends to be quite annoying is you release a record and immediately everyone wants to like, when's the next one? I, that's <laughs> the, like, the worst fucking thing in the world. I hate that. But I, I want to ask like a cousin of that question, okay. which is, where do you feel you are now creatively? Mm. At least in regards to what you think you might want to do next. Maybe not necessarily with an album, but just mm -hmm. like in a very general sense. Um, well, I'm, I'm, like I said, I've got a lot, I always have a lot of ideas and, and potential projects and things, you know, things that I started that I haven't gotten to finish. I mean, things that I left off the record that I, kind of wanted to put on there, but there's no room for it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think if, you know, if if I'm stationary or if I'm near the studio, I, you know, I could make records constantly, you know? Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm ready in that sense, you know? Uh, I just, 
that's kind of what I like to do with my energy and my time. So, um, that said, I mean, I think that having touring interrupt that, that there's something to be said for that too. Because um, if you didn't tour, you probably wouldn't feel like you had anything to write about. Right, right. there's no, no space. I probably would go in the studio and I'd make another song, another song, another song, another song. You know, um, which which would be great, but it's, it's like when someone is like, like a painter, you know, you have to step away, you know, um, or any kind of art, you, you have to step away to get a fresh perspective on a thing, you know, um, and I think that's, that the, you know, the best art comes from a, from some kind of balance between, you know, like this relentless pursuit of that artistic standard versus time where you, you step away, you know, where you, you know, it's like, I find a lot of times, it, it's like, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it while I'm making something. Uh, and that's obviously very important, you know, um, even again, to use that example of Blue Magic, I, mean, I did all this stuff, I worked up the chords, I figured out the arrangement for the bridge, and I, oh, you know what, let's put it up, down a half step, no, bring it back up, no, down a half step. You know, all those calculations and different things that I did, Justin Lamp and the drums and all those things, obviously directly impact what you hear. Um, but I agreed to, you know, open the show for Alan, so I interrupted what I was doing, I got on the train, you know, while I was on the train, wheels were turning, you know, like, I feel like that's a part of writing too, you know, is, is when your ideas are in your head and you're, you're not putting them out, you know, they're just in there. They're not like realized yet, but they're yeah. forming. Right. So, you know. I will probably dip in and out of the studio in this next phase here, but um, but I think it's good for there to be space, you know, yeah, to to live and 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 let these ideas kind of circulate, you know, um, in the subconscious, you know, before before you try to before you apply them, you know. You know, do you think the kid version of Aaron from like years ago who got into playing music would be surprised as hell to hear a new match? <laughs> what do you think you would think of that record? I mean, I, I mean, if I think about myself at the time around when I started playing guitar, what I was into, what I think I was wanted to hear, I, I think. I think I would probably blow my own mind. I, I don't know. I think I would probably inspire myself because, um, you know, even then I, I was I was listening to a wide range of things. You know, um, I wanted to hear. You know, I wanted to hear the the like. You know, I wanted to hear hip hop. The attitude of hip hop mixed with like folk music, you know. I, I wanted to hear folk music with like big hard drums, you know. I wanted 
I wanted there to be fusion of music that that didn't feel like forced, you know, like like a like a a corny attempt to cross over into something. You know, I wanted to hear those. You know, I wanted the genres to explode, and in a way that sounds natural. Where it all makes sense. Yeah. Where it all comes together because not in spite of Right, right. Um, and I think I wasn't really hearing that. And and now I am, you know. So I'm I'm happy about that. That's <laughs> <You> fantastic. <know? laughs> and everyone downstairs will hear it tonight. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for taking the time to chat. Thanks, man. Of course. I got the blue magic And I rock you so savage Cause I got the blue magic